A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity uh, to visit Guiding Light Mission in downtown Grand Rapids. Martha Appleton, who's a member here at Calvary Church, invited me down for, for lunch and a tour to see how Guiding Light is serving God and, and building his kingdom. And while at Guiding Light, I, I learned that they have kind of two main focuses. One focus is an addiction recovery program, and another is a program that helps uh, impoverished and homeless people get back into the workforce. I had the privilege to eat lunch with Martha, Brian Elvey, who leads the addiction recovery program, and Stuart Ray, who is the executive director of Guiding Light Mission. And, and kind of all throughout the, the lunch and the tour, it was interesting because each one of them kept expressing their desire and their concern and their care to help uh, the people who, who came for help to Guiding Light Mission. But there was one part of our conversation that stood out to me. And Stuart was talking, and he was talking about how, how, how Guiding Light kind of, the goals of Guiding Light and how Guiding Light determines if they're successful and, and kind of like the purposes of Guiding Light. And he, and he said that, he said that it's his desire and the desire of Guiding Light to treat everyone who comes through the doors of Guiding Light for addiction recovery or, or to get back into the workforce, to treat each one of them with dignity and respect. And then Stuart said this, and, and this is what really stood out to me. Stuart said, you know, everyone needs to know that they have a purpose in life whether they're recovering from addiction, whether they're impoverished and fighting the cycle of homelessness, everyone needs to know that they have a purpose in life. And as I began to think about that statement, and as I think about that statement, everybody needs to know they have a purpose, I think how true that statement really is. And it's not just people who are dealing with an addiction. And it's not just the impoverished or those who are homeless. Everyone needs to know that they have a purpose in life. Everyone wants to know that their life will make a difference, that their life matters. Think about it. Each one of us, some of us want to make that important discovery that will change the world. Some of us have a desire to help somebody else reach their goal. Some of us want to score the winning touchdown or stop the winning touchdown from being scored because every one of us wants to make a difference. Every one of us wants our life to matter. Everybody wants to live with a purpose. Am I right? Amen. Don't you want your life to matter? You want your life to count. You want to make a difference. You want to have a purpose. And that is exactly what we are seeing in learning in the book of Joshua. God gave an assignment to Joshua. God gave an assignment to Joshua to enter the promised land, to conquer this land of Canaan, and for all the people of Israel to inhabit the land. And just like God gave an assignment to Joshua, God has given an assignment to you and to me. In fact, he has given many of us multiple assignments. And what hit me this last week as I was studying is that in these assignments that he gives to us, he gives us purpose. The assignments that he gives us give us a purpose. 
So if you are here this morning and one of your assignments is to raise a child with special needs, that gives you a purpose. If you are here this morning and one of your assignments is to fight a debilitating, debilitating, terrible disease, that fight gives you a purpose. If one of your assignments this morning is to start a home Bible study, that assignment gives you a purpose. If you are going to a new school, that assignment gives you a new purpose. If you are, if you are single and you don't want to, and, and your ideal would not to remain, be, to remain single, that assignment gives you a purpose in life. All of these assignments that God gives to us give us a purpose in life. Now, I've just mentioned a few of the assignments that are out there. There are many, many more assignments represented in this room. But each and every assignment that God gives to you and that God gives to me give us the opportunity to live a life of purpose. But as we have said, and as I know each one of you recognize, often the assignments that God gives to us are very, very difficult. Often the assignments that God gives to us are even overwhelming or seemingly impossible. So the question for us this morning is, as we face this assignment, as we face a purpose in our life that may be difficult, that may be overwhelming, that may seem to be impossible, how can we faithfully and obediently tackle the assignment that God has given to us? This morning, the question on the table is how do you tackle the difficult, even seemingly impossible assignment that God has given you with faith and with obedience? And Joshua 3 is where we are going to look this morning. So take your Bible and open up to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 is found on page 171 in the Bible that the church provides. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. Grab the Bible in front of you or underneath your seat. Joshua chapter 3, page 171. We are going to see how Joshua faithfully and obediently attacks and executes the assignment that God has given to him. Now, while you're turning, we're not going to read all of Joshua chapter 3 this morning, but while you're turning, let me tell you where we're at and remind you where we're at in the story of Joshua. The people of Israel are on the edge of the promised land. They've experienced hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. They have wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and now after those experiences, they are on the edge of the promised land, and Joshua is ready to lead the people of Israel into that promised land. They have seen God's miraculous salvation when he parted the Red Sea. God breaks the bondage of slavery in Egypt, and he parts the Red Sea, but he saves the people of Israel for more than that. They don't just receive salvation from God, they receive a purpose from God. And the purpose that they are receiving is starting to begin right now as they're on the banks of the Jordan River, as they're about to enter the promised land. God has saved them for a purpose. But here in Joshua chapter 3, the assignment that God has for Joshua and the people of Israel just looks like one big obstacle, a seemingly impossible assignment. 
The people of Israel, led by Joshua, have to cross the Jordan River in order to get into the promised land. And right now, the Jordan River seems defiantly uncrossable. There's a simple sentence in verse 15. Look at verse 15. This sentence gives us the picture of what the people of Israel are facing as they look to the Jordan River. Verse 15, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. This is harvest time, and the typically gentle Jordan River is now a raging river that is swelled to flood stage. When the Jordan River is at flood stage, we know that the currents in the Jordan can reach up to 40 miles per hour. A river that is often narrow in most places can be stretched to over a mile in width. A river that is often quite shallow can have depths during flood stage of between 3 and 15 feet, and in some places, in many places, even deeper than the 15 feet. Maybe, maybe as they face the Jordan River, the strong will be able to cross. But they have to be standing here wondering, how in the world are we ever going to get across that raging, rough river? A seemingly impossible task. Like I said, maybe the strong can get across. But what about the infants? What about the aged? What about the sickly? What about all of their possessions? How is it that they are ever going to cross the Jordan River? An overwhelming assignment an even potentially impossible task that God has called them to. Can you imagine? Think for me a minute. Can you imagine hundreds of years in slavery, 40 years wandering in the wilderness, and now they're beside this river, millions of people on the edge of the river, many of them old, many of them sickly, tons and tons of possessions. How are they ever going to get across? Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the anxiety? How about the level of discouragement? We've come all this way. We've tried, Lord. We've come all this way. And now the assignment that you give us is to cross this raging river? Fear, anxiety, discouragement. You know what that's like, don't you? Many of you know the fear, the anxiety, the discouragement of facing an overwhelming, seemingly impossible assignment. How will you ever do it? How will you ever accomplish the assignment that God has given to you? How will you ever cross your Jordan. The question for us this morning is the same question that was on the table for the people of Israel thousands of years ago. Remember, as we look at Joshua, and particularly as we look at Joshua chapter 3 this morning, these words were not just written for those people thousands of years ago. These words were written for you, and these words were written for me 
words that are meant to encourage us, words that are meant to inform us, words that are meant to push us along on our journey, words that are meant to help us accomplish the assignment that God has given to us, words that are, help us, are to help us understand that in that assignment we have a purpose. How do you make it across? How do you cross your Jordan? Amen. You walk by faith. You walk by faith and not by sight. And down deep in the depths of your soul, you come to believe and understand that your God can do and does do the impossible. How do you cross your Jordan? You walk by faith. What does it look like to walk by faith and to tackle your assignment? In Joshua 3, God provides for us three essentials to walk by faith, to tackle our assignment, and therefore live in a purpose that he has given us. The first command. The first command found in Joshua 3 is to follow God. Look at Joshua 3, verses 3 and 4. The people were given some simple instructions. Look at what it says. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits, which is about 3,000 feet, between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Notice here that Joshua did not say, follow us. He says, follow the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this is an interesting command because up until this point, the people of Israel, remember what they followed? The people of Israel up until this point have followed a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But now the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night are going to be replaced by the Ark of the Covenant. The cloud and the pillar of fire are going away. The ark is now coming into the focus. And here in Joshua chapter 3, the ark of the covenant is mentioned 10 times. 10 times Joshua refers to the ark of the covenant. Now the ark of the covenant has fascinated people for thousands of years. Books have been written about it. Movies have been produced. Some of you years ago may have seen Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Great movie, incredibly exciting, probably very dated, but a nice, good movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Ark of the Covenant is essentially a big box. It's a piece of furniture. And in that box, there, there, there are things that have been placed in that box. The Ten Commandments, the ones written on stone that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, placed in the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron's staff in the Ark of the Covenant a jar of manna from heaven, excuse me, the jar of the manna that came from heaven that God provided for 40 years in the wilderness, a jar of that is found in the Ark of the Covenant. And also the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, they were placed in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is there. It's the, it's, 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 the, it's the physical symbol of God's leading, of his presence, of his power. And Joshua says to the people of Israel, look to the Ark of the Covenant. And what he's saying when he says look to the Ark of the Covenant is he's saying look to God. Look to his presence. Look to his power. Look to his leading. 
The Ark of the Covenant is, is the idea in the Old Testament of Emmanuel, God with us. The Ark of the Covenant represents God's presence and God's power with the people of Israel. And what does, what does Joshua say? He tells the Levitical priests, you are going to take that ark, and you are going to take that ark and lead us. And, and, and the message is clear. God is going to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And the people of Israel are going to follow God into the promised land. The ark symbolizes the presence and the power of God with his people. Now look at verse 4. Look at verse 4 because in verse 4, God lays out the procedure by which they were to do this. Verse 4, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. As I said, that's about 3,000 feet between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Now, God has some very particular instructions on the distance that is to be kept between the people and the ark. One of the reasons for the distance between the people and the ark is so that the people could see the ark. Think about it. If everybody gets really close to the ark, the people in the back are going to have difficulty seeing the ark. But if the ark is 3,000 feet out in front of the people, everybody from behind is going to be able to see the ark of the covenant. In essence, everybody from behind is going to be able to see God. But this command also speaks of a need for some degree of separateness between the people and God. They were commanded, the people of Israel were commanded to never touch the ark, to never treat the ark lightly or God lightly. The ark of the covenant was to be treated very, very carefully. They were not to look, or treat, look at the ark carelessly or treat the ark carelessly. And that same implication exists for you and for me today. Look what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. You see, God is not just my good buddy or the man upstairs. God, we are to worship God with reverence and awe because God is a consuming fire. So now picture the scene. Look at what's happening. Israel is encamped beside the Jordan River. The ark is positioned 3,000 feet in front of them. Everyone in the nation would be able to see it. The priest would carry it by rods on their shoulders. And as they walked through the rough, raging River Jordan, everybody would understand the point. God intended for the people of Israel to cross that Jordan. God intended for the people of Israel to tackle the assignment that he had given him, but they, he intended for them to do that with him. The instruction was clear. Follow the Lord your God because he goes before you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are sitting here thinking, I follow God. I follow God. But my assignment, my assignment still is pretty overwhelming. My assignment seems impossible. I can't see God. 
And sometimes he feels oh, oh, oh so silent. Now I think that is initially what the people of Israel were feeling. Look back at verse 1. Verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim. Try saying that fast three times. and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. Verse 2, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp. Now think about this. Think about this for a minute. Before the officers gave the orders, the people had to wait for three days. These people, who had spent hundreds of years in slavery, decades in the wilderness, They've now marched about 8 to 10 miles from Shittim to the banks of the Jordan River, and they're raring to go, and they don't want to stop because they know that their assignment's right in front of them, and God says, whoa, 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 slow down. You're going to sit here, and you're going to wait three days, and he really doesn't tell them why. They just have to sit and wait. Now, I think I know the reason why they had to sit and wait. And it's not such a comfortable reason for Israel, and it's not such a comfortable reason for you or for me. I think the reason that the people of Israel had to wait three days beside the Jordan River was because they had to come to an end of self. They had to come to the point where they knew that there was no way that they were ever going to cross that river. They had to know that there was never a way that they were going to be able to accomplish this impossible task. Because think about it. The more and more you sit and look at that uncrossable Jordan, the bigger and bigger that Jordan becomes. So I think those people had to wait until they came to an end of self. And so when God showed up, they recognized and they knew that it was God who showed up and it was God who enacted the miracle and it was God who allowed them and encouraged them and had them complete the assignment that he had given to them. So when we face our difficult assignments, our Jordan River, when the assignment seems overwhelming, even impossible, the first thing we are to do, the first command is to follow God just like the people of Israel did. Now you may have to wait you may have to be patient, but we are to follow God. The first command, follow God. The second command is found in verse 5. The second command is in verse 5. Look at what verse 5 says. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The Hebrew word for consecrate means to prepare to dedicate, to be hallowed, to be holy, to be separate or set apart. You see, God was telling his people that they, if they were going to cross this uncrossable Jordan, if they were going to complete their assignment, they must be set apart for him. They must be holy. You see, one of the reasons that Israel often found its way blocked one of the reasons that you and I often find our way blocked in the assignments that God has given us is because of sin. Look at what the prophet Isaiah writes. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, right? The arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not 
here. Our sins, your sins, my sins have consequences. And one of the consequences of our sin is a separation from God. So in this text, when Joshua says, consecrate yourself before the Lord, when God gives that command through Joshua, the desire here is for the people to set themselves apart from their sin, to prepare to be used by God, to seek forgiveness, to forsake the sin, to be holy and aligned with God. We are to be a holy people. God recognizes sin. God understands. He knows that we sin. But God calls us to live an examined life. And living an examined life means that you honestly take an evaluation of yourself. You look in and at your heart and you ask the Spirit to convict you of the sins that you may be committing so that you are able to confess those sins, repent from them, and then receive forgiveness. Because the Word of God says those who confess their sins, when they do, God is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. God commands the people of Israel, consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. Seek forgiveness for your sins. I want you to think about your assignment for a minute the assignment that God has given you. Do you feel stalled? Does the assignment feel completely overwhelming? Does God feel distant? Now, it may be that you're on the banks of the Jordan River just like the people of Israel, and God's just called you to wait for three days. But it also may be that you have sin in your life. And this morning, God is calling you to examine your heart. Because sin prevents right relationship with God. And it causes separation. So examine yourself. And if there is something there, I encourage you, confess openly and honest. And if you do, God is faithful and God is just, and he will forgive that sin. Now, there's an important principle here in Joshua 3, verse 5, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. This is the principle. God has chosen not to work in all of his fullness, in the lives of people who are unwilling to open their hearts to his cleansing and his leadership. God is unwilling to work in all of his fullness in the lives of people who are unwilling to open their hearts to God's cleansing and his leadership. But here's the positive. But God will work wonders in and through you if you consecrate yourself. 
on the eve of the greatest day, on the eve of one of the greatest day in all of Israel's history, the Lord their God commands the people of Israel, consecrate yourself, set yourself apart, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, is holy. In tackling the difficult assignments, the first commandment is to follow God. The second commandment is to consecrate yourself. And the third commandment is to step out. Look at verses 7 and 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now down to verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. The moment of truth has come. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant must step into the raging waters of the Jordan River and then stand right there. God, through Joshua, commands the priests, eventually the people of Israel, to get their feet wet. They have to step out in faith. Faith moves you forward in God's way and in God's timing. And there will come a time, there will come a moment when you have to act on what God has asked you to do. If you are going to complete the assignment that God has given to you, you are going to come to a point in time where you have to act, where you have to take the first step and step out. Understand this, following God is essential and consecrating yourself is vital. But we will never cross the river. You will never cross your Jordan. You will never complete your assignment unless you actually step out in faith. Think about the Levitical priests. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant by rods on their shoulders and they're walking down to a raging rough river of Jordan that is seemingly an impossible task. And God says to them, you must put your foot in the water first. You see, if the waters part before they get to the waters, that's not faith. If the waters, if God just has the waters open up, that's not faith. So what God does is God says, you put your foot in first, and then I'm going to stop the flow of the waters. They're required to demonstrate faith. They are required to step out. And you and me, all of us, are required in our tasks and in the assignments that God has given us to actually take a step of faith. But let me quickly add what happens. Look what happens here. I want you to notice the element of their trust that is present in all of true faith. Look what happens. After they stepped out, after the priest stepped out, what does verse 8 say? They stepped out and they stood. They stepped into the water, the water parts, and the priests stood. They stood still. They don't do anything in that, from that point on. Why? Because God does everything. In their activity, they still recognize their dependence on God. In their activity, and when they finally come to a stop, they recognize that it is God who works. 
that it is God who actually stops the river's water from flowing. God does all the work after they step out in faith. This standing still testifies to the fact that everything came from God. And likewise, in our lives, in our assignments, we must commit. We must commit all of ourselves, our lives, our possessions, money, time, everything. We must commit ourselves to the task that God has placed in front of us. And the one way you commit that final step is following God's command to step out and stand still and let him do the work. And look what happened when they followed God, consecrated themselves, and stepped out in faith. The second half of verse 15. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Our God is amazing. I don't know what your assignment actually is, but I bet that your assignment is overwhelming. I bet that your assignment seems impossible. But here in Joshua 3, God gives us three commands. He says, follow me. He says, consecrate yourself. And he says, step out in faith. And then he shows up and he does all of the work. Remember earlier in the sermon, I told you that when the people of Israel were fleeing Egypt, they come to the Red Sea and God provides salvation by parting the Red Sea. He, 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 he lets them escape. He causes their escape from their bondage in Israel by parting the Red Sea. But that salvation isn't all he had planned for the people of Israel. He had a purpose for them, and their purpose was to enter the promised land. The purpose, a purpose that he had for them was for them to cross the Jordan River, a seemingly impossible assignment, an overwhelming task, but God gives them a purpose to cross the Jordan River. But that was not the purpose that God gave them for their lives. He gave them a purpose to cross the Jordan, but the purpose that God gave to Israel is to bring honor and glory to God while they are in the promised land. They are to be a people of purpose, and their ultimate purpose is to bring honor and glory to God. And likewise, for many of us followers of Jesus here, we recognize that God has provided salvation. He has broken the bondage of slavery, of our slavery in Egypt. He has broken the bondage of our sin. He has provided salvation. But too many times, all we think about is the salvation that he's provided. Now that salvation is wonderful. It is great that he has provided salvation. But that is just the beginning of his journey, the journey that he has for you because he also provides you a purpose. And the purpose that he provides you is given to you in the assignments that he has given you. 
So every assignment that is represented in this room, whether big or small, whether easy or difficult, whether seemingly huge and overwhelming or mundane, God is giving you a purpose in that assignment. But I want you to know, if you faithfully and obediently complete the assignment, if you attack the assignment and complete the assignment that he has given you, you are living the purpose that he has for your life. And the purpose that he has for your life is the same purpose that the people of Israel had. And that is to bring honor and glory to God and enjoy him forever. That is what he is promising you in the assignments that he is giving you. Not only a purpose, but the purpose. So in your assignment, whatever that assignment may be, follow God, consecrate yourself, and step out in faith. And I promise you, he will show Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you are so good. Lord, you don't leave us alone to our own thoughts. You do not leave us alone to our own fear. You do not leave us alone in our anxiety or our discouragement. Lord, you provide your word that so clearly directs us. Lord, I pray that each one of us here this morning would be people who follow you that we would be people who take sin seriously and consecrate ourselves before you. Lord, that we would set ourselves apart, that we would confess sin. Lord, that we would recognize that sin separates us from you. And Lord, finally, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to obey, that we would be a people who step out in faith, that we would be a people individually that step out in faith, but Lord, also that we would be a church that steps out in faith. Lord, we can only do this through your power, and it's through the power and the name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask these things. Amen.